Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, are there enough good pieces left for a Lego Movie 2 to work out? Can Apex Legends compete with PUBG and Fortnite? And how action figures are taking center stage. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the Brickmaster of Humanity Media. You gotta check out everything that's going on today at humanicomedia.com, humanicomedia on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. And he does weddings too. I just want to let you know. It's my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? A good friend of ours, Eric from Go Brothers Gaming, just announced his engagement. So maybe a little bit of Humanicomedia wedding video coming up. Nice. Yeah, gotta do that networking, man. Yeah, I'm like I'm in the process of cleaning up the Humanica Media website. So like all these wedding films that I did that I forgot about have been buried in my YouTube channel. I'm trying to like bring them up to the surface, you know, so people could check them out. So uh, and well, I just want to say, I'd say that half of them are divorced already. Well, I mean, you can't win them all, you know. Love is very volatile, so I hear. But uh, I think with the right quality wedding film. It could last forever. You know, you want me to throw some explosions in there? I will. You want to get chased by dinosaurs? That's fine, too. If you want a voiceover of our good friend Gerald Glassford, I can throw that in there just as easily. Just let me know. Humanicanmedia.com. That's right. Humanicanmedia.com. He actually does do great wedding videos. Got to check it out. And also, Humanicanmedia on Facebook. He actually does have several examples of his videos posted there. You got to check it out today. Humanicanmedia. But it is going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got the return of Rob McCallum. He is back from the dead. Actually, well, not dead, but he's been busy doing a lot of stuff. But he's got a great big announcement to tell everybody about coming up later in the program about his new documentary and docuseries that he's working on. So he's going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. Plus, we're going to be talking about Apex Legends. The new Titanfall-based type free-to-play game that's out in the wild now from Electronic Arts. 
from the makers of Titanfall and Titanfall 2 Respawn Entertainment. We're going to talk about how successful their first week was and if it's something that people need to get into if they're interested in a diversion from PUBG and Fortnite. Plus, also on the back end of the show, we're going to talk about a disappointing cancellation that was done in the movie world with a halt to a pre-production of World War Z. We're going to talk about how this hurts us as movie fans, but also could speak of larger issues within the zombie movie genre. But first, my friend, it's going to be a busy weekend again at the box office. Finally, we get a little bit more action It's been a little while now since Glass came out that we actually got something really good to talk about when it comes to the movies as Lego Movie 2 comes out this weekend. Also as well, What Men Want, Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson, The Prodigy, a horror movie is also coming out. And like I said, we've got a lot of things coming out this weekend, very busy, but it looks like Lego Movie 2 will be taking the weekend. It's projected to do anywhere from 50 to $60 million here domestically. Your thoughts on the Lego Movie 2 coming out, but also I don't want to underestimate what men want because that's actually coming out with strong projections by Taraje P. Henson. She's taken a rollover, something similar to what we saw many years ago with Mel Gibson with What Women Want. Your thoughts on Lego Movie 2 coming out this weekend. Is it something you're interested in? And do you think this is a continuation of what directors Lord Miller who actually have done very well with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse after a rocky relationship with Lucasfilm and the Solo Project, and they got kicked out there. But they came back strong with what they were doing in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And do you think that will continue with LEGO Movie 2? Okay, first of all, with what men want? Is that the one? That's correct. With Taraja P. Henson. It's similar to what you, you know, if if people seen the old Mel Gibson film, What Women Want, this is the exact opposite of that. Okay. What Women Want was interesting because guys don't really know what women want. You know, that's what made that movie so appealing. And with this one, I've seen the trailers and I've kind of read up on it a little bit. It's not really that much of a mystery what men want, though. Like we, like chances are, you look at a, at, at you look at another dude, and you're like, I know what that guy's thinking about. Sometimes it's nothing, but usually it's the same thing that everyone else is thinking about. So I just don't, I don't ask see... me what my wife would say. <laughs> Donuts. Uh, no, I, I, I honestly I don't think that this movie's gonna do that well. Maybe it is well written, but I just don't think that trying to piggyback on another. Uh, you know, on a again on a film that's over twenty years old, I don't think that that's the right avenue for that. I think that there could be, because did you see they're making another Shaft movie too? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I actually posted the video on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. I think it's dangerous to link new movies that could be good to franchises that have been dormant for almost twenty years now. I think that's very dangerous. So I honestly don't see this. You know, what men want doing that well. But as for the Lego movie. Yeah, I think it's going to do great because there, there's not a lot of kids movies coming out right now. So it's kind of a, a good family flick. And, you know, the the what's the is Captain Marvel, I think, is the next movie kind of kind of family movie, I guess, coming out. But no, How to Train Your Dragon 3. To, OK, when is that dropping? That's dropping later this month. And that's going to be a discussion you and I will have for another day because I've already hinted to you exactly how I feel about that series. But yeah, and I told you, need I digress. Need I digress. <laughs> But I see this doing well because this is like it's it's the right time 
you know, fa- it's it's a good time. For, it's a good movie for families. It's the right time for something like like that to come out because there's not really a lot, uh, a lot of competition. It, the first one was good, and, it, and this is the Lego Movie too. This is not like an offshoot. This is not the Lego Batman movie or the Lego Ninjago movie. This is the true sequel to the Lego Movie, which did very well with audiences. So I haven't seen the Lego Movie, so I can, I don't have much to say on that front about what kind of quality it's going to be. But as for a release date, I think that this is the perfect time for that to come out. I disagree with you on what men want. I think up front it's going to do pretty good. In fact, it's actually projected to do about $20 million domestically, which would match its production budget or thereabouts. That would be actually a pretty good start for the film. And I think it's going to be front loaded for the next couple of weeks because it, I think a lot of people will be going for it as far as a date movie is concerned. I think a lot of ladies will be going and checking it out, maybe as with a group of friends or whatnot. But I also think it's going to be earmarked for a date movie, not only for this weekend, but obviously for the Valentine's Day weekend as well. So I think it will actually do okay. I don't think it will do leaps and bounds great, but I still think it will actually go ahead and make its money back and maybe even see a small profit out of it, which I think at the end of the day would make the actual production company and also the film studio very happy. I am going to add this to the list of Gerald is wrong. So when we <laughs> when it inevitably crashes, I'm just going to bring this up. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll see what <laughs> happens, my friend. We'll see what happens. I'm going to tell you as far as the Lego Movie 2 is concerned, Lego Movie 2, I don't see it earning the same type of returns as the Lego Movie. I know the reviews on it are not quite as strong as the Lego Movie was when it came out, but it is going to be more of the same. From what I'm seeing in the trailers and what I'm seeing on extended footage, it just seems like it's more of the same. I enjoyed the Lego Movie, but I'm worried very much, as I'm going to go probably see the film hopefully in the next few days, I'm worried very much that it's going to be the same thing as Deadpool 2 was for me as far as <laughs> instead of the real loud laughter I experienced in the original. That to me is my biggest concern, but I'm not going into it with the same amount of expectations as I did Deadpool 2 because I had a ton of expectations going to see that film. And for me, it fell extremely short of those expectations. Lego Movie 2 I think will probably be somewhere like, okay, it's, it's an okay movie. I got through it. It's somewhat entertaining, but then that's all my expectations are of it going in. So if it exceeds that, that makes me more than happy unless it reaches a new market internationally that the first one didn't because it didn't do so great outside of the United States. That I think is the issue right there when it comes to the Lego movie is that if it does reach an international audience much better than the first one, it could actually prove to be the saving grace and facilitate a Lego Movie 3 getting made. Lord and Miller are very creative in what they do. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and their hands all over that speaks wonders. And obviously the Lego Movie did very well for them earlier. Unfortunately, Solo was a crash and burn for them. But I will say Lego Movie 2 looks okay to me, but not more so than any other the big movies that are coming out. I was going to ask, would you say that Miller and Lord are not good at working solo. Oh. Uh, we're going to, and, and post was going to be a live studio hype train going on there. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you make it so much harder for me in post. <laughs> All right. But I guess you're right. It could be like, I don't want to say it's a babysitting movie per se, but it is something that you could take the kids to. They're going to enjoy it. There hasn't been much out this year so far to date. 
And like I said, the next movie of its ilk is going to be How to Train Your Dragon 3. So, yeah, I guess it could be something that a lot of parents are going to be taking out. And and like I said before, 50 to 60 million projected is not too bad of a start. It's going to be right around what Glass did in, in its first weekend, uh, maybe actually a little bit more so. So if that's the case, then it could be at least a, a pretty successful movie and facilitate a third movie. But I think it has to do much, much better internationally than what the first one did for it to facilitate a, another movie in the series and make it a complete trilogy. But I am looking forward to it. I am hopefully going to be checking it out very soon. And I know a lot of other people are interested and excited because it's the first semi-big movie that we've had in a few weeks since Glass, as Glass has been number one the past three weeks. So it's going to be a change of the guard here at the box office with Lego Movie 2 coming out very soon. I have much higher expectations for what men want than you do. But you know what? That's just me. I just I just see a trend when it comes to that type of movie. I see that there's going to be enough of following. I think for at least the first two weeks after we get through the Valentine's Day period, I think after that, it's pretty much touch and go. But I think through the first seven to ten days, I think there's going to be a decent following for what men want. And I think it will surprise you. And I think you'll be eating some crow here very soon. You heard it here first on Pop Culture Cosmos. That's right. That's right. And the PCC multiverse. But what are your thoughts out there on Lego Movie 2? Are you excited to go see it? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Share us your thoughts as well if you're going to go ahead and check out any of the other movies this weekend, including Liam Neeson's Cold Pursuit, The Prodigy, or What Men Want. Let us know if you're going to check out that and see if you're going to prove Josh wrong and me right. It's popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Before we get to our good friend Rob McCallum talking about his upcoming project, I want to talk real quick about the success of EA's new free-to-play game from the folks at Respawn Entertainment who created the Titanfall series, both one and two, and that's Apex Legends. Your thoughts on Apex Legends, a game which really has gotten a lot of notoriety as it was literally dropped on us on Monday. As a free-to-play game, it's now available on PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Your thoughts on it? I think it's a combination of several different influences. Most noteworthy is Overwatch and Call of Duty. But your thoughts on Apex Legends? Did you notice that it has a bit of the the shading tones from Borderlands? Like it has that kind of the dark outlines and the, the uh, more like stencil colors? 
Yes, I actually, I did. I noted that to Rob in an interview about it when he approached me on it. I told him there was an influence of Borderlands Fortnite in there as well, as far as taking some bits and pieces from all these. But the major influences I saw, like I said, were from Call of Duty and also Overwatch as well. Okay, so yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. So th- this game is is weird to me. Okay, so I got a buddy who's playing, and he absolutely loves it he says it's basically it's Fortnite for adults right so it, it's more not i don't want to say realistic but it, it's more oriented towards mature gamers right so what's weird about this though is it's hard to tell why this game came out because respawn has been sitting on this for a long time it sounds like because look at look at the history of of titanfall right so titanfall one came out everybody loved it right is is all multiplayer didn't have to worry about a, a single player you just turn it on play with your friends and it's call of duty with mech suits right so that game was good and it sold a bunch and then titanfall 2 comes out they add the single player component to it it's critically applauded but it doesn't well, sell that well well actually both one and two did not meet sales expectations they both sold okay but okay was it was something that's literally what, what they did not want. They wanted something that was going to be their next battlefield or battlefront and sell those type of numbers. And unfortunately, neither one and two met that, even though they both were very quickly hailed upon their release. Right. No, but I mean, they did well enough. Like one did well enough to garner a sequel or else they wouldn't have bothered with it. So yeah, it, but it just didn't do like the top five type no, game. It, it's, it, it's it was maybe like a top to. 20 game. Right. It's not going to do top five. The top five games are always... The, the same games you know your call of duty battlefields madden fifa and you know whatever else happens but that's that. what the expectation was because this comes from the guys who came from that call of duty franchise right that's kind of a ridiculous expectation but uh, you know back to what i was saying titanfall 2 was critically applauded but it didn't it didn't sell like you were saying it didn't sell as well as ea was hoping so I'm wondering if this was something that respawn has been working on and they've just been sitting on it for a while or if ea kind of force them to put this game out because from what i understand it looks like it's the game is using all the components that have already been built right so it's it's a multiplayer game but minus the titans and minus the wall walking so i'm just curious what the dynamic there was why they put this game out but i'm stoked to see that it's doing so well because this you know like i mentioned on monday's show was that this could be a good example going forward of what these bigger gaming companies, like, uh, you know, these bigger franchises could do? What if they're, what if, you know, Battlefield saved, they didn't release, because, you know, you look at IGN, Polygon, they're all rating the multiplayer game separate of the single player now. So this could go to show, like, what if Battlefield waits to release their Battle Royale mode as a free-to-play game later on? How, how many people jump on that? Same thing with Call of Duty or Halo, even. Like, what if Overwatch became... You know, it's already, they don't have a Battle Royale, but what if Overwatch made something like that and released it free to play? Would that then shut down Fortnite? I still don't think Fortnite's going to be coming down anytime soon, but there are little chunks, little pieces that are taken out of it that are being pecked away by contenders such as this, Blackout, PUBG, and so many others that are trying to emulate the success of Fortnite. When it comes to Apex Legends, you're right. They had a lot of this already in place. There is still a Titanfall game coming out. It's not a Titanfall 3, but I believe it is projected to be a Titanfall VR game that's going to come out in the not-too-distant future. Plus, also, they're working on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. 
that was announced at a recent EA shareholders meeting as coming out before the end of 2019. So you've got those on the way that Respawn Entertainment is getting their hands into. But as far as a full-fledged Titanfall 3, that's not on the horizon as of this point. I'm still missing the Titans when I go ahead and delve into the world of Apex Legends, but it's still something that is fast moving. It's very fluid and seems to be getting, like you said, uh, the sharp eyes and the and the experts and the, the people that are really into FPS shooters. Not necessarily the folks who are coming over from Fortnite, because there are some of those and there are some of those that are saying that they really like it over Fortnite. But it's more to me, I think it's going to be pulling a lot of people out of Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and also Battlefield 5. I think it's going to draw a lot of people away from those games just as much as it may pull people away from PUBG and Fortnite because it's more emulating those type of games with its first-person shooter outlook as opposed to maybe the third-person behind the third-person cartoony type feel of Fortnite or even the look that PUBG has. So I, I don't know. It looks to me like something that is going to be picking a little bit away from Fortnite because it is the newest kid on the block. It's garnered over 10 million players in its first 72 hours. So obviously it's off to a great start, but let's see how much it retains its players over the course of a six month to nine month period. So then we can really start asking those questions on if Apex Legends can really sink their teeth into the marketplace and take a piece out of the pie away from PUBG and Fortnite. Well, here's the thing. Like, consider this. Remember, you know, back when Halo was coming out biannually, I want to say, you had people jumping, right, from Halo to Call of Duty to Battlefield to Medal of Honor, I think was even a thing back then. And then back to Battlefield, back to Call of Duty, back to Halo. I don't think that Fortnite is immune to that type of jump. You know, the, the thing about Fortnite is that it's free to play and it's something that appeals to people who've never played video games. But what happens when those people get curious about what else is out there? I think that it's only a matter of time before that happens. I don't think Fortnite is immune to the cycle. No game is. And there's no game trend that is. Remember, we saw the same thing with Gears of War 2. It came out with a horde mode. Everybody did a horde mode. And then everybody was into it. And then all of a sudden it dropped like a rock and became something that a lot of people just stayed away from or shied away from after a point in time. But that took like two or three years for everybody to come out with their own horde mode before it finally died out. Same thing will go on with the Battle Royale genre. I mean, at some point, there's going to be something that a lot of people are going to jump onto that they think is better. And yes, Fortnite's reign on top will at some point in time be hedged or, or drop. I mean, we saw it from World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft was on top for many, many years. And in, well, you know, it no, as of now, obviously, it's no longer the same thing that it once was. At some point in time, there is going to be an ebb and tide. And at some point in time, there is going to be peaks and valleys when it comes to the video game marketplace with games like Fortnite. I just don't see it's going to be hit really soon. Maybe by the end of the year, we can start talking about it as far as a severe chunk taken out of it. But as of right now, I think it's still got a nice hold, especially the way they change everything up from their season to season, update to update. They recently added earthquakes in Fortnite and made it a little bit more interesting. And they take some things out and they put some other things in. They freshen it up constantly. And that's why the game is so appealing to so many players. If Apex Legends learns from that 
and develops their own style for their own base, then you're right. They could take a big chunk, possibly a big chunk, out of PUBG and Fortnite, but we'll have to wait and see. For what I've seen so far, it is an enjoyable first step. I wish the Titans were in there, but they're not. It, but it still looks to me like a very fast-moving, enjoyable game that I think people who already are into Battlefield, Call of Duty, I think they'll swarm to it first, and then you might see the PUBG and Fortnite people in mass come over and give it a try. The Titans will be added eventually. My guess is that you know the original drop was just kind of a test to see what people would thought of it, and people are liking it, so. There's probably going to be a patch later on where they do add the Titans because that that is the one thing that really could bring them above anything Fortnite or PUBG has to offer. So it, it'd be foolish of them not to do that. But I do have a prediction. So, you know, we're talking about the end of Fortnite, much like the end of Counter-Strike, right? Counter-Strike, Day of Defeat, games like that. Those games, like the popularity of Internet cafes, those things all went away when the next generation of consoles came out. So I'm predicting that when the next cycle of consoles comes out, the the Xbox, whatever, the Scarlet, I guess they're calling it now, and PS5, if those come out of the gate, they're affordable, and they have something that is good, something something first party that people love to play, I think that the Fortnite's, Fortnite's going to start to, you're going to see a decline in people playing it. And that's going to pressure uh, it's Epic to start working on something else. And maybe, you know, maybe that'll put them back, Fortnite 2, whatever, that'll put them back on the map. But I'm, uh, you know, if the new consoles are really as great as everyone's predicting they're going to be, I see that maybe affecting the number of people playing Fortnite. They'll just go back to making another version of the Unreal Engine. Unity and Unreal seem to be the two like power powerhouse engines right now. Oh, there you go. It's no wonder. It's off to a great start. Like I said, 10 million in the first 72 hours as far as that are playing it, have given it a try, that have made accounts, that are really just into it right now. The game itself uh, is very fast-moving, quick. It's interesting. It's fun to watch. And it all makes for a great game that could, over the course of time, be something that a lot of people are getting into and could take away and make its climb up the pecking order and be something that Call of Duty's Blackout, whatever Battlefield 5 is doing, plus PUBG and Fortnite and Overwatch and take a little bite out of each of those and become its own entity that really stands out among the rest when it comes to the multiplayer genre. What are your thoughts out there on Apex Legends? Have you given it a try like so many others have already? And what changes or alterations do you want to see coming up for Apex Legends? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Coming up right after this, we've got Rob McCallum back in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire talking about his upcoming project. Cannot wait for him to tell you all about it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome thing coming up. He just started working on it, and he's going to tell you about it more coming up next. This is the PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many 
Pop Culture Projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. He is the man behind Rob McCallum Films and in front of as well as he would say. You got to check out everything going on at robmccallumfilms.com. Also as well, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. He's all over the place. Rob McZob. You got to find him. He's out there and he's posting a lot of great new content because he's got a lot of great things to announce. It is my good friend. Long time no here. It is. Rob McCallum. Know you've been busy. Know you had a lot of stuff going on. Just so happy you take some time to talk to me today. I'm becoming one of those like elusive Pokemon that people spend months and weeks trying to, to hunt down. I'm Pokezob, if you will, or, or Pokerob, or however you want to. There's your new Twitter handle. There's my new Twitter handle, Pokezob. Perfect. Uh, yeah, it's been quite busy over here. Of course, the holidays kept us all busy. And even though we had planned to do a bunch of uh, meetups in the middle, just things continually uh, interfered with that. A lot for good, but, uh, you know, there's time is quite limited. As a father, as you well know, sometimes it's hard to make those schedules and family takes priority. So I am back and we do have a bunch of stuff to talk about, which I'm excited to be back to talk about, to be honest. It's been uh, far too long since I've been able to really uh, get you going and push your buttons. There you go. There you go. Because, you know, now, how has the vacation been? Uh, it's been actually quite stress free, but uh, I guess the blood pressure is about ready to rise. But before we get to that, before we get to all that, you've got something awesome new to announce. A great new project is now on the horizon. You just started filming it. It's something I'm proud to go ahead and and help you out as far as with with announcing it and just being out there. But it is action figures. The most powerful toy in the universe, the next in the line of great documentaries and great programming that Rob McCallum and Pyre Productions are just putting out there time and time again. But Rob, it's great that I talk about it, but it's even better if you tell us what's going on with Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate that. Intro, as always, it is very exciting for us. So it is a new series and feature film uh, as you mentioned, from Pyre Productions, but not just Pyre Productions, also Creative Dynamic, which is a long gestating venture that I've been a part of with my good producing friend, Justin Schoenrock, and he's coming on board in the early stages because it's taken five years, but I finally managed to convince him that long-form content can be uh, the way to go and you can have a lot of fun. He spent his career really in the short-form kind of world doing a lot of commercials. He, uh, of course, teamed up with me to create the Chicago White Sox spot that we did in early 2017 that went on to garner several Emmy nominations. So we've got a history together. We actually met while we were in Vegas, and he's excited to come on board this and, and really make this happen. Pop Culture Cosmos got the exclusive right to share the first kind of interview that, that transpired, some frequently asked questions, so check that out on the website, of course, and we're going to go down some of that path and probably a few other questions if I know Gerald like I know him. More than anything, we're back at it. Like you said, we're back at it, baby. 
Uh, we're, we're back at it indeed. And once again, you can check out the written form of some questions that have already been presented to Rob on Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe, today on our popculturecosmos.com site. Just check it out. It's right there for you. A lot of great detail. If you want to know more about Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. But first off, it's not only Justin Schoenrock, who, again, you have won acclaim and awards with before in the past, but there's also someone else who's also a major part of what's going on with this movie and also the series and, and all the whole nine yards as far as action figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. That's right. There will be a familiar face gracing the screen, both big and small, if you will, to all the folks that have seen some of my other content. He's appeared in Missing Mom very briefly. And of course, he was the main subject in Nintendo Quest. And that's our good friend, Jay Bartlett, who is also taking on a producer role in this one. This whole project was something that came from the ashes of Galaxy of Hope, which we tried to get going about a year ago. And, you know, we couldn't figure out at the time what was working and what wasn't working about it. But Gerald, I got to tell you, hindsight is one of those things that never fails you and is very much 2020. So, we had some time to think about it, and I, I really started playing with the pieces. And I thought, well, let's maybe try to do something that's a little more broad. Not just Star Wars specific, because there's a lot of Star Wars stuff out there, and it's really hard to get something off the ground and get people excited about it if, if it's already surrounding them. But when you can just stop and kind of say, well, let's just tackle all action figures and see if that works. Well, I mean, the, the response already has been really crazy. So that's where it started from. It started from what can we do that was like Galaxy of Hope? What can we do and build upon that worked in Nintendo Quest and Power of Grayskull for that matter, but make it a little bit more, you know, my brand or our brand. And so Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe is, is what came out of it. And we're proposing that it be at least a six episode series. It may be more depending on the amount of content we get and the kind of content. But we like to aim for six and suggest it may go as high as 10 episodes. But we'll be following Jay on another collecting adventure. But this time we'll be spending a lot of time with other people that are key creatives in the, the action figure and toy industry, as well as spending some time with collectors and fans and looking really at the qualitative questions that get left out of stuff like the toys that made us. So not just the history, the next step. Okay, so if that's the story, what then? And the hows and the whys things got done. So that's where we're really trying to focus this series on. And of course, because there is a very personal story with Jay going on uh, a mission to hunt down and collect action figures in the name of charity. For everybody that hasn't read this stuff, he's going to go to and, uh, to and fro and near and far to collect the coolest action figures out there. Not just the rare stuff that people haven't heard of, but the genuine staples that everybody needs in their collection. He's going to put them in an auction. And once the auction kind of takes place and all the all the money's tallied, that's what's going to get to go to Children's Health Foundation. So it's kind of collecting with a purpose is how we've been talking about it, which is cool. I mean, it was cool in Nintendo Quest to see him, you know, a, a, achieve that, you know, collector's dream of his to have all the Nintendo games. But you don't ever want to just you don't want to just see some guy just keep collecting for something on his shelf. If you can collect and really impact somebody's lives like we know that we can do with this then why not do that as well? I think that's what really becomes worthy of viewership and entertainment when you can go out there, take the knowledge you have and, and truly make a difference in someone's lives. And we're trying to help a lot of ill children who, who need the help. And thanks to uh, organizations like Children's Health Foundation here in London, Ontario, 
who we're partnering with, of course, we, we think we can make a pretty good uh, impact and dent on the quality of life that they've got. Now, I am very familiar with what Jay has as far as the collection and as far as his love and interest in action figures, but I always want to hear more about what's going on with Rob and his motivations when he goes and steps into a project. So I want to hear about your motivations when it comes to action figures and your relation, how much of it is a love to you, because I already know your love for video games, obviously, when you were here in Vegas and obviously seeing everything was going on with Nintendo Quest, but... Tell me a little bit more about Rob McCallum and why action figures are so important to him. Well, action figures, I mean, they easily predate my love of gaming by five or six years. I mean, you need some skills and some sort of cognitive understanding to be able to play video games. It takes a few years to get into as I'm slowly developing and learning with my, with my own son right now. But action figures are, are really easy to pick up and become that character. You get to have the same power and responsibility and superpowers of the characters that you basically inhabit. So it's like kind of playing with a physical avatar and look no further than power of Grayskull. I was, I was that kid who wanted to be He-Man and had a He-Man and I could say, I have the power. It gave me the agency that I, that I didn't have as a child. You know, I felt more powerful because of these figures. I got to play these stories and narratives out that, that fulfilled me on a level that I wasn't feeling fulfilled in, in my day-to-day -day life. And I look back and I see other kids doing the same thing. I, I watch, you know, my son play and I see him kind of work through like everyday problems, but with his action figures. And I think that's a very, very powerful tool. And again, tying it back to what we're trying to do with this mission here, to know that we're actually going to be using these 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 characters and these figures to give additional power to the kids that probably feel like powerless and more so than a regular child would because of their predicaments. I, th I think that's really the ultimate testimony. I've had lots of collections from Ninja Turtles to real Ghostbusters, He-Man, of course. I had some G.I. Joes and some Transformers, but it was always He-Man and Ninja Turtles. I had a lot of Dick Tracy guys. And over the years, I've had to piece different things out here and there. I had to sell my He-Man collection a couple times now, the first time to pay for Nintendo Quest. And the second time, uh, most recently, it was a lot of the newer stuff, though I had some vintage package guys on guard, most recently to basically move into the spot that we are now and take care of some bills and stuff that we that we have going on here. But who knows what we're going to find on the road, of course. You know, when we made Nintendo Quest, I was determined I wasn't going to get sucked into the trap of having to buy and seeing good deals on, on different games and and bringing a bunch of stuff back with me. But I ended up bringing, I think, about a dozen carts back with me after that trip, so... Given this passion that predates video games for action figures, I, uh, I'm curious what's going to make its way back to, to my office. Even just in anticipation and, and in preparation for this series, I picked up two new action figures, which are Diamond Select Ghostbusters. They're coming out with the real Ghostbuster figurines that are, of course, for the adult collector. But they look exactly like the 80s cartoon, and they're just so on point. It's fantastic. And... I'm getting them for research, I swear. It's just for research purposes. Of course, but, of course it is. But yes, uh, those are the only two action figures, save maybe a, a Jareth from Labyrinth I have over here, and I got a, a Han Solo uh, Black Series Star Wars figure. I don't think I have anything else. Funko Pops are sort of action figures, sort of not, but that's kind of my collection for the most part as I look around. 
one of the things action figures does is it just expands the imagination of children all over, especially when they start to get into understanding the world around them and a world that they would like to see and imagine. Even if it's not the world that they're around today, they can go and imagine they're off somewhere else doing something else, being a part of something or or getting involved, being a hero, being a heroine. And, and that imagination just seems to run wild, which is always a great thing when you see with young kids. When you talk to your son about action figures, what do you see in him that you were experiencing when you were his age? Uh, I see that, you know, the imagination doesn't have limits for a child in the way that an adult might see limits. I mean, I remember playing as a kid, you know, I'd play like in the living room or in my bedroom and, you know, there would be a bed there, but I would see it as a mountain or I would see it as a different feature in one of the episodes that I had seen the cartoon tie-in from. And I still remember stories that I played as a kid concretely to this day. And I put them right alongside some of my favorite episodes or comic books or the movies that some of these figures came from because they were just that memorable to me. And so when I see my son play with action figures, he doesn't see the same boundaries, you know, that an adult might see either. And it's really cool. It almost kind of brings me back to watch him play. And of course, I get down on the ground and I play with him. Today I was Skeletor and Skeletor has a bunch of little babies. There's six little skeletons that he has with them. And a Minecraft zombie guy was, was trying to get into Snake Mountain and we were trying to figure out whether we wanted him in or not. But Snake Mountain was just our coffee table that had some books on it. It wasn't, you know, the play set or anything elaborate by any means. But it was enough that it stood in for place of. And I think that's the imagination at work. And he's developing a sense of narrative, being able to tell stories. Then I basically let him, you know, figure out what the storytelling is. And I push here and I push there a little bit to help shape it. And I ask him questions. But everything comes together. It's this big imaginary construct. It's almost like virtual reality but imagination reality. I don't know if that's a thing or if that's just a weird idea to throw out there, but it's all right there. And it's uh, and it's really cool to see unfold. Definitely. And as someone who had action figures in his past as a child, it just sparks that imagination. And it's great to see your kids, just as my daughters before, when they got into action figures for a time that absolutely just that imagination runs wild and, and you see all the new new sparks of life that action figures can create. One of the things I wanted to ask you, you talked about this not only being a feature film, but a, but a docu-series as well. And what are some of the notes that you want to hit upon when it comes to action figures? And are there any certain brands or any certain iconic action figures or action figure lines that you want to hit upon during the course of the, you know, either the docu-series or the actual feature film itself? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big question to unpack. Let me kind of maybe explain the feature slash series dichotomy and how that kind of varies. When we made Nintendo Quest, we're at a moment in post-production when I thought maybe this should be a series instead of a standalone film because we were seeing a lot of stuff like American Pickers come out and Storage Wars and even Pawn Stars. And I thought, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing if we cut this down to 22 minutes and we're able to get like four or five or six episodes. It could be a really kind of cool series thing. And ultimately, we decided to go the route of the feature. But here we are now in 2019. And in late 2018, Nintendo Quest premiered on Journey, which is an OTT platform and over the top where you can download an app and stream content, much like Amazon uh, Prime Video or Netflix. And they asked for Nintendo Quest to be recut into episodes so that they could match it with the Power Tour. So we had four episodes from the film that were recut into 22-minute pieces, and then it matched with the nine episodes. So it was a 13-episode run. 
And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then, of course, we did box art as a, as a six episode initially, and now eight episode series. And then, so when it came time to kind of figure out the final form for this, we thought, well, why do we have to pick one or the other? Why can't we just kind of aim to do both? And where the difference will lie is the series will probably be a little bit more 50-50 split in terms of Jay's action figure adventure and more about the industry of action figures and meshing those two together, whereas the feature will probably be 70-30. And so much as that will be even called the feature action figure adventure. So just like Nintendo Quest featured several segments where we talk about the narrative and uh, the narrative kind of style and we talk about you know the music of nes and competitive gaming we just really wanted to find a way that the feature could sit on its own but not overtake with subject matter that took away from the story so action figure adventure will still be very much jay's thing you know and the series will be more 50 50. now in terms of lines and toys that we want to feature a lot of that is going to probably come from what we find in our travels so if we come across like a great nego collection in a store we're going to want to take some time and talk about that it's going to be hard to say that we're going to talk about everything in our travels and of course we've got some pretty heavy hitter participants on board as well but you can expect the big four for sure and the big four for me have always been gi joe transformers ninja turtles and he-man and of course Star Wars, which we've always kind of put in its own category. When it comes to toys and action figures, Star Wars is just kind of untouchable. It's this other thing that's over there. So that'll be a part of it as well. Those five for sure, but there's a ton of other lines out there like Silverhawks, Captain Power, Centurions, Exo Squad, Mask, Visionaries, Cops. You know, there's lots of stuff to cover. And I really like to dig into some of the international exclusive lines that never made it to North America as well and some blinds that were never even promised to come out or, or sorry, were, were promised to come out but never saw the light of day. In fact, I think there's a pretty cool Kickstarter right now for volume two of a book of the toys that were never made but got to like almost like the prototype stage or had prototypes but still never made the mass market. And I think those are some of the cool stories and, and being able to showcase that stuff as well as talk to people that never really kind of, you know, get the light of day. Like even a segment on like, like vehicle design. Most of these, you know, action figure lines one of the components is a vehicle or a playset. Well, what are some of the components of good vehicle or playset design? And what are some of the stories that the guys from GI Joe or Ninja Turtles have to talk about with regards to those? You know, who knows what we're going to uncover, but it's about shining the light on these little these little nooks that haven't been explored to the depth that some of these other programs and shows have have explored so far and really just bringing this information to the mass. As someone who still frequents Retro City Games quite a bit here in Henderson in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and sees the collection that they're growing with, with a whole ton of different types from G.I. Joe and Star Wars and the whole nine yards. In fact, I just came across that they recently received three box Lord of the Rings sets that would just look awesome. And the detail on it, I was not even aware of that they actually had that many lines out. And it was just nice to see all that. But there is so much more when you're expanding into the world of action figures. Where do you guys want to go? Where where are you guys going to go and set out on your stuff? Is there there's certain places that you have in mind? Because obviously when it came to Nintendo Quest, if you watch the awesome documentary that it is, you go ahead and you see the pattern of where Jay was heading to each and every stop along the way. Do you already have it mapped out or just leaving room for some gray area as of right now? 
It's 50-50. We kind of have a really good general idea where we're going to go and where we would like to go, and it's probably going to kind of land somewhere in the middle. One thing that we realized pretty early on, we thought, okay, so this will be just like Nintendo Quest, and we're going to have to go here to here, and we're just going to have to keep driving to hit you know, enough stores for it to count. One of the things we learned early on is there are far more you know, vintage and collectible toy stores than there are game stores, at least in our neck of the woods. Um, I would say there's at least two to three times. So right away, you know, a day one in Ontario is going to be a lot different than a day, like a, a day in video games. We hit like one, one or two stores in our hometown, two of which were like, you know, pawn shops. We actually have like full-fledged like toy stores now without having to, to resort to those other kind of commercial venues that may have toys. We know that there's actually places in the area that, that sell a ton of toys and even like frequent monthly shows within the region where, uh, you know, like expos for, for individual private sellers to come in and kind of hawk their wares. So we know there's more opportunity just regionally compared to Nintendo Quest. But in terms of travel, Southwestern Ontario is going to be a big one. The Great Lakes region for sure, uh, that which means, of course, going south of the border and hitting you know, Buffalo and Pittsburgh and Columbus and Cleveland and Cincinnati, uh, Indianapolis, Detroit, Chicago, we want to hit. We also want to kind of get up into the East Coast, areas that we didn't go for Nintendo Quest, you know, Rochester, Boston, Hartford, Washington, New York, New Jersey. And if we can make our way down all the way to Florida, then that would be great. I have this vision that would be great to see Jay hit the four corners kind of of the U.S. to really kind of go the distance. There's some logistics involved in, in doing such a, a trek, and I don't know if it's going to be possible, but I, I would be really surprised if we didn't hit one coast of the U.S., whether it's the West Coast or, or the East Coast. But I think we'll definitely be able to kind of hit one of the coasts and knock off a ton of toy stores along the way. One last thing I want to talk to you about, and this, once again, is the director of Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. He is the director. It is Rob McCallum, my good friend once again. You can check out everything that's going on when it comes to what he's doing at robmccallumfilms.com and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook as well. You talked about what Action Figures has represented, what Action Figures does represent, but are you also going to cover about what the future might hold for the action figure industry as well? Yeah. And, you know, every project you do kind of leads towards your next one. And you, you kind of take what works and, and kind of what you wanted to explore and kind of spin it off. The Our video game box art series wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the one segment that appeared in Nintendo Quest with Mark Erickson. And that I always remember that standing out when I cut that film. I thought, oh, man, this segment's really cool. It'd be cool to talk to more artists. And now I got a whole series where we're talking to gaming illustrators. And the one thing that we got to talk about in that is what was the future of box art and cover art and, and illustrators within that industry. So in the same way that we, ex we explore that to, to some extent in video game box art, we of course want to look at the future of action figures, especially with stuff like the decline of brick and mortar, the emergence of 3D printing, online only sales, and, and the ever-evolving role of the adult collector and the non-stop seemingly rising price point of collectibles and franchises and the cost of IP. Once again, it is the director, Rob McCallum. It is Action Figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. You're going to be catching it hopefully sometime in 2020, late 2020, I believe. That's the expected release window, as they now say, as far as the, the term is concerned. 
Yeah, you know, we're aiming for 2020, third or fourth quarter. It may slip, but we feel like we're going to hit it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it, I mean, it sounds like we're an investor conference for EA or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're targeting these things on average take two to three years. You know, we're in early 2019. So if we can hit late 2020, that gives us a good two years. We've got some good resources behind us now and, and a lot of participants. And we think that, you know, we can tell our, our story with Jay within that time span. I mean, his story is slated to end by the end of this year. So even if only the feature comes out first and then like the extended version, which is the series, comes out after, then that's one way to handle it. And of course, for everybody already asking, is there going to be a Kickstarter? Yes, there's going to be a Kickstarter. We want to put it closer to when we're finished so you don't have to wait two to three years. We'll know more about where we are. And it'll be really your chance to get the special versions, the extended cuts, and really the, the higher, more intense fan version than you'd ever be able to get at retail. But we want to do it closer to when we're actually done so you don't have to wait long. And it's just a much easier kind of sale, if you will, to get you on board. But we appreciate everybody who's already gone to facebook.com slash action figure documentary, giving us a like, and I've been participating as well. Absolutely. Once again, it is action figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. Rob, it's always a pleasure to have you talking on these awesome new projects each and every time. And we're so blessed to have you do so on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And of course, right here in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCG Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played on radio stations worldwide, seven days a week, check out our listings on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check it out. You'll see a listing right there. And if you go to our Facebook page, you also get many of our podcast options as well. My friend, before we head on out, I just want to thank our good friend Rob McCallum for stopping by and telling us all about action figures, the most powerful toy in the universe. And again, if you want any more questions that were answered by Rob, Check out our big article that we have on popculturecosmos.com. It's right there for you. Well, my friend, before we head on out, we've got to talk some bad news when it comes to the movie industry. But unfortunately, the sequel to World War Z was canceled by Paramount, I guess, over budgetary issues and how much they wanted to go ahead and spend on the movie. But it leads me to a bigger question I want to ask you that you mentioned here, uh, I think a couple episodes ago, in regards to the zombie genre as a whole, that maybe there's a waning interest in the zombie genre and maybe films like Zombieland 2 because of where it's at. And we talked about that on our movie preview being in a weird place and we don't know if that's going to do well. But I think your words were best when you said you just think that people have lost interest in the zombie genre. You know, I did say that, and because you look at the the cycle of the of the zombie, right? Like George, when George A. Romero first made Dawn of the Dead, there was a very niche audience for that movie, right? And everything he made after that as well. You go back, you know, maybe ten years, and you look at it how zombies became like a 
a thing, right? With Resident Evil came out, so all the nerds were like making their zombie escape plans. I was amongst them, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's stupid." And it's kind of like how when you're watching a movie and like your your mom or sister or wife or whatever walks into the room and they're like, "Oh, this is so dumb," but they can't stop watching the screen. I think that's how zombies became popular. Walking Dead, 28 Days Later, stuff like that. But I I honestly do feel like it's run its course. Everyone has in, indulged the zombie thing and they're wanting something new. And then the kids coming up now don't, aren't part of that movement, right? So they're they're looking for something else too. And that's why I think that the zombie genre is kind of failing. But that sucks because I did love World War Z. I, I think that between World War Z and 28 Days Later, like those are my two favorite zombie films of all time. And, you know, Danny Boyle did amazing things with 28 Days Later. But with World War Z, from what I understand, David, fin poor David Fincher, man, that guy just gets screwed over so much. You know, we won't talk about Alien 3, but it's weird because he he did offer to make the movie is like a budget of 127 million, if I remember correctly. But that was that was like seven sixty to 70 million under what it was originally budgeted to be made for. So it it's it's confusing that they would cancel it but i also read something where they're saying that because they committed to two or three more mission impossible movies they d didn't have the funds to really invest in the world war z franchise and that's why it got canceled plus all the delays in the production but you know you're the the business movie guy what are your thoughts on that well first off it was a movie that wasn't supposed to work because upon the original release of the trailers a lot of people were skeptical of the movie because they said, oh, well, the zombies move that fast. They don't move like that. Da, 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 da. You know, like people are experts on zombies. They've seen, you know, zombies live all the time, I guess. But zombies are supposed to move a certain way or be at a certain speed. But, oh, that just doesn't look real. The CGI and da, 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 da. But you know what? It was a big hit. It earned a half a billion dollars at the box office and worldwide. And it was something that was not just a domestic, but a global hit. And to me as well, it's disappointing because I enjoy the film for what it is. To me, it's a great popcorn flick. I really had a lot of fun watching it. I've seen it several times since. It's always a fun movie to have around. But I think it leads to a bigger issue where there were so many production delays about the story, about you, David Fincher, was he going to be directing it, about the problems with the first one as well. You remember the production issues with that as far as the ending having to be changed and all that, and I guess a different director coming in and, and a lot of problems with it. And then the second one having even more issues and more delays, they delayed themselves pretty much out of a job when it comes to that. And I think that if they had just stayed on track the movie came out, I think, in what, 2012, 2013? That if it would have come out in a 2015, 2016 range, as far as World War Z2, we would be talking about how it was a fun movie and a fun sequel and all that. But unfortunately, because there were so many delays in this production process, that finally when they got all their eyes, when they thought they got all their eyes dotted and they're all their T's crossed and they thought everything was going to go great, Paramount pulled the rug right out from under them because they didn't want to spend enough money. Because like you said, the Mission Impossible series is now a more profitable and a safer bet as far as the series goes right now. So why not put your money behind that horse instead of going ahead in something that hasn't come out in several years in a genre that is providing declining returns, as we will probably see later on this year when it comes to Zombieland 2 
And I think they probably also saw what was going on with The Walking Dead and how it's lost over half of its audience from its peak in just about three years. That I think that gave him another warning sign that the zombie genre is dying. There's a little bit of pun there, but unfortunately, it may oh, not be. Oh, yeah, what you did there! But it's not going to be reanimated anytime soon. Oh, I think there's World War Z two at this point in time due to dollars and cents. It looks like it's just going to unfortunately be dead as a project Would and not be brought back. Paramount was afraid that it was going to take a bite out of their finances. Oh, the puns are flying left and right all week. Yes, yes. Please try the veal. (laughs) What are your thoughts out there on World War Z2 getting canceled? We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And I want to give a big shout out before we head on out and tell everybody a big thank you. Our one-hour radio edit channel on Anchor has done tremendous in the past few days. We've got some of our highest returns ever on that channel, plus also one of our biggest weeks as well on Podbean. We thank you so much for listening. I'll tell you what, the numbers are coming in bigger and better for us, and we are just so appreciative of everything that you do by listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford. That's another beautiful name, Paradise, right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This week on My Opie Defend Your Childhood... Myopia Defender Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Morning segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? My Ophie Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.